Uh, I just want to make sure you guys can hear me. Okay. I just got confirmation from my husband. So um, I'm honored and um, humbled to share with you this morning. I love the ocean and I love Maine. If you've ever been to the coast of Maine, you know that the beaches are rocky. Sometimes big rocks are on the beach. Picture yourself standing on a big rock in the ocean. The tides come in and out. Sometimes the rocks can't be seen because the tide has come in. The rock is still there. It hasn't moved. Even if you are moved around by the waves, the rock is still there to stand upon. Throughout my life, I've been pushed by the waves, but Jesus has always been there as the rock in my life. As I look back at my life, it's clear Jesus has had his hand on my life, preparing me for the waves that would come at me. For a little background, I grew up in a Christian home and attended a Christian school from kindergarten all the way through high school. The church I attended weekly with my family didn't really talk much about a relationship with Jesus. It was a traditional conservative church with an organ, hymns sung each week, and sermons preached that I didn't find very engaging. When I was in junior high, I started babysitting for a family in town on Wednesday nights. I would watch the kids so the mom and dad could attend the Wednesday evening service at their church. When the mom, Mrs. Raynard, would drive me home, she would often share with me about the church service. She would play praise music in the car. I had never really heard music like this before. I didn't know songs like this could be sung in a church. She would talk about Jesus in a way that I hadn't heard at church before. Through the time I would spend with Mrs. Raynard, I saw something in her that I didn't have. One day at school, we had a chapel service, and the speaker talked about accepting Christ as your Savior. I decided I needed to have a relationship with Jesus like Mrs. Raynard had. I began to make my faith my own. In high school, I began going to a youth group at a local church that helped to deepen my relationship with Jesus. It's the spring of my sophomore year in high school. I'm just about to celebrate my 16th birthday and get my driver's permit. Life is good. My parents call a family meeting one night to share with my brother and I that my dad has colon cancer and he'll be having surgery in Boston to have the cancer removed. As my dad shares the news with my brother and I, he also shares scriptures to remind us to put our trust in God and that God will be with us. Jesus will be our rock during this trial. My dad has the surgery on my last day of school and everything seemed to go well. The doctor said he re would remain in the hospital for a bit to recover. Once he's recovered from the surgery, the doctors would decide what the next course of treatment would be. At the end of June, I was scheduled to go on a missions trip to Vermont with the youth group I had started attending. I wasn't sure if I should go on this trip since my dad was still in the hospital. My mom and dad said I should go. Everything would be fine at home and dad would just continue to recover in the hospital. I really struggled being away from my family. I called home a few times and also had a chance to talk to my dad. Everyone was doing well, so I didn't need to feel bad about being away from home. The 4th of July was coming up, which was one of my favorite holidays, and my dad had picked out a place in the hospital where we could watch the fireworks in Boston, like we had done in previous years. One night, I was talking with the youth pastor, Mike, and he asked me if there's anything that was left unsaid between my dad and I. I didn't really know why he asked me that, 
I'd be able to see my dad in a few days when I returned to Massachusetts. I honestly answered him no. My dad and I had a great relationship. I loved him, and I knew he loved me. I enjoyed doing things with my dad. Friday morning, the day before I was planning on heading home, Mike came to my team's work site. He sent the group off to an area on the property, but pulled my best friend Lori and I aside. He had come to tell me that my father had passed away that morning. My world was rocked. I was in shock. My brother and some family friends were on their way to Vermont to pick me up. I needed to shower and pack up to head home to be with my family and prepare for my father's funeral. That afternoon, after I showered and tried to get some lunch down, Lori, Mike, and I went to a place where we had been earlier in the week. There is a pond and mountains in view. While there, I cried, wondered what the future would be like, and Mike read Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. You are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. As I laid there on the green lawn, Psalm 23 became real to me. I was walking through the valley of the shadow of death, but God was with me. My world had been turned upside down, but I had such peace. It's a peace that is unexplainable. God was my rock. Now what? My dad is gone, and in the fall, it will just be my mom and I when my brother returns to college. I don't have the best relationship with my mom. I seemed to get along better with my father. During the fall of my junior year, I realized I had a choice to make. I could make my mom's life miserable and continue in the bad relationship I had with her, or I could try and be kind and develop a relationship with her. Another choice I had was to continue to follow Jesus or turn my back on him. I had confidence that my earthly father was in heaven, and I wanted to see him again one day. Even though my dad died suddenly, I knew Jesus was with me. He had placed me in a youth group with a youth pastor who had lost both of his parents by the time he was 21. Mike invested in me that fall and helped me stay on the path to Jesus. Mike showed me that Jesus is my rock. During my final two years of high school, my relationship with my mom greatly improved. By the time I graduated high school, I would call her my friend. God had worked in both of our hearts. Even though my relationship with my mom had changed, there was still one thing that really bothered me about her. My mom smoked. I really didn't like it. I wouldn't want to be around her when she smoked and she knew it. For my New Year's resolution of my sophomore year of college, I decided to pray for my mom every day that she would stop smoking. I had talked to her about quitting a number of times, but nothing ever happened. She just didn't think she could do it. I knew the only way it would happen would be by God doing it in her. Every day, I would pray. 
In early February, my resident director saw me come back from a run. He asked me to come and see him when I was cleaned up. That's odd, I thought. I don't think I'm in trouble. I quickly changed and went to see him. He told me that my mom was on her way to California because my brother was in the hospital. He didn't have many details. One of my aunts had tried to call me and couldn't, so she reached out to him. To give a little background, my brother had graduated from college that December and was waiting for his military orders because he had been in the ROTC program in college. While he was waiting for his assignment, he decided to spend a month in California with his best friend playing golf and enjoying some nice weather. I eventually learned that my brother was in the hospital on a ventilator and pretty much paralyzed. Through some testing, it was discovered that he had myasthenia gravis, which is a chronic autoimmune neuromuscular disease that we causes weakness in the skeletal muscles, which are responsible for breathing and moving parts of the body, including the arms and legs. My brother was having a myasthenic crisis. So now my mom is in California with no family or friends, with my brother who can't breathe on his own. There's no way my mom will quit smoking now under all this stress, but I will keep praying for her. God was our rock. A family friend had flown from Boston to LA with my mom and stayed with her until other family members could come and be with my mom. Three of my mom's siblings were able to come and stay with my mom during the three weeks she was there. My mom's friend reached out to the local church when they arrived in California and strangers opened up their home to my mom and allowed her and her siblings to stay in their home. Pastors from the church visited my brother and prayed with him. God was caring for my mom and brother when they were across the country from their support systems. About three weeks, after about three weeks of being in the hospital in California, my brother was strong enough to fly home to Boston. About a week after my mom and brother returned home, I was talking with my mom about all that had happened. My mom shared with me that she had quit smoking while she was in California. I shared with my mom that I had been praying every day that she would quit. God was my rock. He had answered my prayer for my mom and my brother. I could trust him when the waves of uncertainty would come over me. About a year after college, I moved back to Boston and a few years later met Brian, who's now my husband. This was the first serious relationship I had with a guy. I had many questions. Is this just a summer fling before he goes to seminary? Does he really love me? Do I really love him? Is this the man I'm going to marry? With each of the questions, God was my rock. He answered them in his timing. He provided friends to help me process my questions. After 14 months of dating and engagement, we were married. The first two years are the best. It's the honeymoon years. That's what we had heard and expected in our marriage. Well, if that was the case, this marriage was in trouble. It was hard. We were still getting to know each other. And we were living together now. We didn't really have a community. We were on our own. It was rough. I knew God had brought us together. I knew God would bring us through these rough waters like he had before in my life. Jesus was my rock. During those hard days and dark nights, I would cry out to God and he would hear me. Brian and I look back at that times and know it wasn't a great marriage, but God carries us, carried us through those dark, hard times 
And our marriage today is so much stronger and deeper because of those first two years. I'm so grateful God held us together through the rough waters and we stood firm on our rock, Jesus. In 2007, I was pregnant with our first child. During the pregnancy, I had a dream about the labor and delivery of our child. In my dream, I had a boy and there were some complications with the birth. I was separated from my baby. I shared the dream with Brian, but didn't want to believe it would be true in our lives. In September, our son Henry was born. I won't go into all the details of the labor, but it was long. I ended up with an emergency C-section. As soon as the doctor cut into me, she made the comment that my amniotic fluid smelled foul. She removed the baby, and that's all I remember. I'm not exactly sure what happened, but I felt like I was in a dream for the next few hours. My doctor would ask me who she was, who my husband was, and other questions that didn't make sense to me. I was having a bad dream, and I wanted to get out of it. <coughs> I dreamed about the doctors talking about a mom having to go to ICU. I felt so bad for that mom. How sad. A few hours later, I was out of the dream. I was the mom that was in ICU. I had spiked a fever of 105 and had gone sepsis. An infection had spread through my body. I would spend 24 hours in ICU and not be able to hold my baby. The dream I had during my pregnancy was in fact true. I feel like God gave me that dream to plant a seed in Brian and I for the road we would be walking in a few months. We were in the hospital for a week recovering from the C-section and receiving IV antibiotics every six hours. Henry would be on IV antibiotics as well as a precaution since he was inside me right before I got so sick. Life was dark. There wasn't much joy after Henry's birth. Everything we wanted, a natural birth, a healthy mom, a healthy baby, breastfeeding, was all lost. Now we were just trying to survive. As I look back on that time, Jesus was our rock. He had preserved my life and Henry's life and we'd pull through. When Henry was two weeks old, he wasn't really interested in nursing. He seemed really sleepy. I called a friend and she said that might be normal. He might be having a growth spurt. All of my attempts to wake him up and feed him weren't working. We had a two week checkup at the pediatrician's office that afternoon. I mentioned to the doctor that he hadn't really fed since 7 a.m. He told me to try again in the office. We were unsuccessful again. My mom had come with me and asked the doctor to take his temp. He had a temperature of 101. The doctor sent us to the ER right away. Through some tests, it was revealed that Henry had spinal meningitis. We would spend the next three weeks in the hospital on IV antibiotics. God was our rock. His hand was on Henry's life. I had a doctor's appointment already scheduled that day. Would I have taken him in if I hadn't had an appointment? We were new parents and we really didn't have a sense of when to worry and when not. My mom was with me since I couldn't drive because of my C-section. My mom asked the doctor to take his temperature. Would we have been sent home if his temp wasn't taken? Henry was placed in the special care nursery of the hospital and got the only room in the nursery since he had left the hospital and was considered dirty to the newborns that were in the nursery. We had space for visitors and were able to set up a home away from home. I would spend 10 to 12 hours every day at the hospital with him 
so that I could nurse him. I rested a lot during those days at the hospital and recovered pretty quickly from the surgery. We had such peace during this time, which was unexplainable, and the nurses could tell. God was with us. He was our rock. He was holding us up. In January of 2012, Brian and I decided we were done having kids. We had two boys, and we didn't have capacity for any more. But then we decided we should pray about it. God told us to try for one more. Month after month, we tried, and no pregnancy. Had we heard God correctly? Were we to keep trying? Each month, we felt like we had a green light to go ahead and try again. In June, we found out we were pregnant. In February of 2013, God blessed us with a baby girl. We were so thrilled to have a girl. About six weeks after Mary was born, I ran into a friend at church who was a nurse. She commented on how big Joseph was getting. I agreed, but asked her to look at his belly. I felt like his belly was a bit big, but all little kids have big bellies. I probably didn't need to be concerned. She saw his belly and recommended that I have it checked out. It didn't seem to be normal little kid belly. We took him to the doctor and the doctor ran some blood work. Before I even had a conversation with a doctor about the blood test results, I had a call from Children's Hospital in Boston. They were calling to add Joseph to their system for an upcoming appointment. Once I was off the phone with Children's, our pediatrician called. He had set up an appointment with the head of the celiac group at Children's. Joseph most likely had celiac disease. Within two and a half weeks of our initial visit with our pediatrician, he was officially diagnosed to take, he was officially diagnosed. It can take years for someone to be diagnosed. God was our rock. Joseph was quickly diagnosed and was able to see the headed celiac group at Children's. His diet had to be completely changed and remove all gluten from it. I had a newborn baby. I was still figuring out how to juggle three kids in cooking, and now I had to change what I cooked to be gluten-free. This church community rallied around us. They gave me gluten-free cookbooks, bought us a bread maker, prayed for us. Before Joseph was diagnosed, he would often play in the backyard with Henry. He would be the goalie in soccer or hockey, the catcher in baseball, the positions that weren't very active. We thought that was just who he was and what he liked. Once we learned he had celiac disease, it made more sense to us. He played those positions because he didn't have the energy to run around. Within three weeks of changing his diet, he was running the bases on the baseball field. He would have never done that months before. Jesus was our rock. Our son's life had dramatically changed because we changed his diet. About six months after Brian and I were married, my mom stopped by our apartment one day to share with us that she most likely had cancer. In about six weeks, she would have her kidney removed because there was a tumor in it. In February of 2005, my mom had the kidney removed. The doctors were confident that they had removed all the cancer and she would be closely monitored, but no treatment was needed. In the spring of 2006, one of her scans showed that the cancer had spread to her liver and lungs. At this point, my mom began to see doctors at Dana-Farber in Boston to treat the rare form of cancer. I would often accompany my mom to an important appointment where test results would be shared. Through this journey, 
God would periodically give me a dream a night or two before the appointment of the meeting with the doctor. <coughs> In some of the dreams, the doctor would share good news. The experimental drugs were working. Other times in my dream, we would receive disappointing news from the doctor. The tumors were growing. Each time I had a dream, it would be true. God was preparing me for the news ahead of time so I could support my mom as needed. God was our rock. For four and a half years, my mom was treated at Dana-Farber by the most caring doctors and nurses. They became like family to my mom. God prepared my heart for what was to come each step of the way. By the time my mom passed away in January of 2011, we were all prepared. My mom knew her time on earth was coming to an end. She helped plan her funeral. She said her final goodbyes to my brother and I. Each of her 10 siblings came to see her in the final weeks before she passed away. One of my mom's biggest fears after my father passed away was that she would die alone. At the end of her illness, my brother and I had to make the decision to place our mom in a nursing home with hospice care. We weren't able to take care of her at home because we each had young families. God provided. Her sisters or friends each signed up for a night to sleep with her in her room at the nursing home. She was never alone. God was our rock. As I look back on my life, there have been many trials, but God has met me in each one. Jesus has been my rock. Trial, my dad passes away. God meets me through my youth pastor, and my relationship with my mom flourishes. Trial, my brother gets really sick in California. God meets me by answering my prayer for my mom to quit smoking and provides strangers to support my family in California. Trial, the early years of my marriage. God meets me by pushing us to persevere, and we are blessed with a stronger marriage. Trial, Henry's birth and first two months. God meets us by giving me a dream, predicting our experience. Henry gets readmitted to the hospital in a timely manner. Peace and the special care nursery. And I have a thriving, almost 13-year-old now. Trial, Joseph's celiac disease. God meets us by having our church community rally around us. Joseph gets excellent care, and quickly, and he's thriving now. Trial, my mom's illness and death. God meets us by giving me dreams to prepare me for the support my mom would need from me, friends and sisters to stay with my mom in the final weeks of her life, an opportunity to have closure with my mom before she passes away. Each one of these trials has shaped who I am and who my family is today. Some of our deepest, most profound seasons of intimacy with Jesus have been during these trials. In John 16, it says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Praise Jesus. Recently, I've been asking myself if God has been my rock in the season of coronavirus. This past spring, when COVID closed schools, was an extremely challenging season for me. Juggling work, Zoom schedules, becoming my kid's teacher at some points, giving Brian space to work, preparing three meals a day, every day. There were days that weren't so picture perfect in the Marcioni house. There were days I just wanted to escape my home. 
Maybe this was all a bad dream again. Here we are, six months later, and school is about to begin. Henry will be doing a hybrid model, and Joseph and Mary will be attending school in person full time. How long will the kids be able to physically go to school? Will we all be forced home again to do work and school? What if one of us is exposed to COVID or even gets it? How long will it be until my kids see their grandparents again in person? I don't know the answers, but I do know that God is faithful and he knows what we need. I can trust him to care for us as he has so many times in my life. I can trust him to be my rock in the days and weeks ahead. It can be tempting to say the trials in my life are really good in disguise because God redeems them in some way. But that's not really the point. It's fair and okay to call these trials what they are, trials. There are bad things that happen in a broken world marred by sin. The point is that Jesus is not indifferent to these trials or far away. He gives us what we need to persevere. There is some redemption in the trials sometimes. But the ultimate redemption is when we're finally free from sin and death in the new heavens and earth and with God face to face forever. In all these stories, there's really nothing remarkable going on with me other than the fact that I'm hanging on to Jesus for dear life. And that's all anybody really needs to do. Just declare and trust that he's our rock and persevere. You grow in trusting Jesus more by trusting Jesus more. And you can testify that he is faithful. He is our rock. As I close this morning, I'd like to leave you with the following quote. Cling to the rock that is higher than the waves, threatening to wash us out to a dark sea. And as we do, we will see that our great God is do see what our great God is doing and the peace he brings, even in the storm. <laughs>